Y'all, at the day that this episode is released, you've only got one or two days left to be able to go to the Game Toppers Kickstarter page and back yourself some Kickstarter products from Game Toppers. Where are the heck are you going? What a great way to start an episode, eh? Yeah, so remember, if you want a great Game Topper or some mats or accessories for your existing Game Toppers, they're all out there on this Kickstarter and you want to get your order in because you want to make sure you get it. Because when the Kickstarter is over, Tony, Berkey's going to be spending all of his time trying to fulfill those Kickstarter orders, and that's going to be number one priority for him. Number one is going to be able to figure out, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into here? I mean, let's face facts. Yes. This thing has exploded. You don't have to worry about it funding because it is funded. I am so excited with some of the new mats. I, I, I can't stop talking about the mats. I'm sorry. I am loving the Roman mats that he has out there. I can just see some of our games. Like we're going to be talking about mosaic with mm. this, with Roman, the Roman mat underneath it. Just incredible. It's a Cthulhu mat. I want the Cthulhu mat to play uh, during Halloween so I can play my Arkham Horror games on it. The big thing is getting the legs. Yep. Getting the legs. If you already have the game toppers, be sure to check that out. If you don't have a game topper, it's worth the money. I love mine. And I know, Marty, when when we're ready for our, the big uh, barbecue, I'll be bringing it over there so you don't have to worry about setting up a whole other table because I'll be, have that carried over there and we'll be dropping it down, setting it up, and boom, there's a table for you right there. Amazing, amazing. So again, to find out more, head over to the Kickstarter page for Game Toppers or go check out their website, GameToppersLLC.com. It's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Today, the guys sink their teeth into Vampire the Masquerade-themed games with the new card game Rivals and the area control game Vendetta. Plus, they give us a preview of the Civ-style game Mosaic. Wait a minute, Marty. Are there vampires in Mosaic? No. Will you turn to dust if I stab you with this stake? No. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Uh, I don't know why I did that in a tune, but I did. This is episode 229, Fear of the Dark. My name is Marty. And I'm Tony. Oh, you didn't have a little tune in your voice. I don't know why. I don't know where that came from. I guess because we talked about doing a lot of music in this episode, and, and it's, it's in my head. Speaking of which, Fear the Dark. I know the reason why this is, but I don't know this one. Who's this by? Isn't it, I believe, Metallica? Full confession. I'm not a huge Metallica fan. I can understand that. I was listening to this, and I can understand why I would not be, not just because of the music, just because it was, it scared me. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I'm I'm a kind of a metalhead. I like metal, but for some reason, Metallica never flipped my boat. And I'm wrong, and I'm wrong. I'm wrong. That's not $5. I called it. Oh. Iron Maiden. Oh, no, hold on. I'm a huge Iron Maiden fan. What album's off that off of? Like, I know. Do you honestly think I put in the effort? I come up with the name of the song for the Oh, it's episode. the ninth. It's an album. It's the ninth studio album that was released in 1992. So here's the thing. Uh, I really love the 80s Iron Maiden, probably more so than the 90s. And I guess that's the classic Iron Maiden. So that's that's why. 
Wait, wait a minute. That's the album? I thought that was the name of one of the... It's seven minutes and... It, it very well could be a name of the song off of the album. It is. It's the name of the song off the album. Okay, because I'm listening to it right now and everybody should see me starting to slowly bang my head. <laughs> but anyway, the name of the album is also... It's the title track from that album. Ta-da! That's how you say it. When I was listening to it, I like... I will admit, I like how it's got that slow part at the beginning and how some of it, and then it, then you thrust you into head banging your head against the wall. That's always cool. I enjoy that. Bruce Dickinson is one of the best rock vocalists of all time. And that's what I say. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking, and everybody has to agree with me, you don't, but Bruce Dickinson is considered one of the best rock vocalists of all time. That guy is just, man, that guy could sing. Yes, I would agree with that statement. If I can ever skip to the right part of Iron Maiden where it's not some big heavy guitar rift or something like that in this song. Get this. He's also a pilot. Oh, okay. I did not know that. He's one of those guys that's very, very smart. You know, you probably think, oh, Iron Maiden, a bunch of druggies and stuff like that. No, Bruce Dickinson's a really smart dude. He manages his money well. Um, kind of like Mick Jagger. I don't know if you know that about mm -hmm. Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger's like a very shrewd businessman when it came to running the Rolling Stones. Oh, I'm sure he was. I mean, these guys, so they were a little drug-induced, but they were very smart. I mean, all of them are. Think about all the merchandising. They, they got their cut. Now, there was one song I was going to do is My Dark Hour by the Steve Miller Band. Oh, okay. I That's a deep cut. Real deep. Real deep. And I don't know if it's if it was true, but when I was reading some of the comments on YouTube about the song, you know, that's how I will listen to them. They were talking about how that one was recorded by Walsh and Paul McCartney only. Oh, okay. And I don't know if that's true or not. I'm simply making up false things here or I'm not. It's on YouTube, therefore I can't <laughs> verify it. So here's why we're doing an episode called Fear of the Dark. We have teased this before. This is going to be a Vampire the Masquerade themed episode where we finally got to sit down and play the brand new card game from Renegade Games, Vampire the Masquerade, colon, Rivals, along with Vampire Vendetta. Now, I've been waiting for this for a long time, Tony. I backed this Kickstarter back in, gosh, it was August or September, and it was supposed to come out in December. And of course, everything's being delayed in this world, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, it was delayed to December, to January, et cetera. And finally, it's, uh, it's okay, you're distracting me. What are you eating? Is that a moon pie? Oh, wait, is that one of the mint moon pies you said you were bringing back from the beach? Yeah, buddy. There it is. Oh, God, so good. <laughs> you can't find mint moon pies around here. I know you can't. When I saw that on the shelf, it was an immediate throw it in the cart. You know, whenever you go on vacation, there's two stops you make as you pull on to a beach. The first stop is you need to make sure that where you're staying is suitable so you don't have to go search for something else. And then next thing is the grocery store because you're going to stay for a week. And the IGA down there, which mm -hmm. is an independent grocery mm -hmm. association, I think that's what it stands for. The store was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And they had a selection everywhere. And they had mint moo pies, um, vanilla, banana, chocolate. And I said, I just have to get this mint moo pie. You are bringing me one of those Thursday night, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, throw, I'll, I'll make sure that I put it in the game bag. So you were saying about Vampire Rivals, that you is something that you were waiting for that you kickstarted and received a 50-pound box from them. It's one of the best valued Kickstarters I've ever seen. So the MSRP of the core box is $45. This Kickstarter 
was a hundred bucks, excluding the core box, which is 45 for 55 bucks. I got, it was either four or five packs of deck cards that they're now selling on the online store for 10 bucks a piece. So that makes the difference right there. But plus one play mat for every faction, for all four factions, a play mat for the San Francisco streets area in the middle and upgraded blood tokens. Well, there you go. It was money well spent because, well, we'll get to it. But for short, you are loving the game, aren't you? I am. I am. And we will we will get to it. But I wanted to make sure to spend time with it in that I've played every player count. Two, three, four. I've played multiple times. I've played every faction. So I'm, I am ready to uh, dig into it. And uh, the Vampire Vendetta is a separate board game. Uh, mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about. That's an area control game that I liked a lot more than I thought I would because Vampire is a lot about bluffing and deception and both the card game and that board game has it. Yeah, Vendetta surprised me. Yes. When you first started talking about it, I was like, okay, okay, let's let's get this thing played. Come on. I'm tired of listening to you. Let's just see what happens. I'm like, ooh, I like what I see happening. Mm-hmm. That is pretty solid here. I'm liking how the interaction is going along with everybody here. I'm liking some of the trash talking that was happening. <laughs> and it's quick. We're talking a 30-minute game. If Once you know cards. Okay, yeah, so sure. let's, be, let's be fair. Sure. Uh, you're having to read cards, text, understanding how they all operate. But we'll get into that too. But that's two vampire games that we are going to be talking about. Hence the name of it, Fear of the Dark. Mm-hmm. And we're doing a special contest. Might as well go ahead and say what we're doing now. Oh, because... Yeah. This is all about vampires. We're going to run a little contest where the bumper music or the music that intros each of those segments, which is basically bumper music, is going to be music for one of my favorite video game franchises of all time, Castlevania. So I'm going to play snippets. I'll play enough of it so you'll know what it is of two very popular Castlevania songs. And we're going to be running a contest. And if you look in the show notes, we'll have a survey or form set up where you can go and fill in your guesses on what those two songs are. Don't worry, I'll create it. You ain't got to do it unless you just want to. He's he's over there sighing and he's typing like, okay, fine. I got to create the form. I have to do work. I don't mind doing work. I'm just thinking, no, what I'm sitting over here is like, where did my notepad go? <laughs> my notepad. So when Marty says it will be in the show notes, I have to quickly scribble down. What's in the show notes? Because for me going from the time that we record on Monday to the time that I hear it again on the following week, I will have forgotten. Sure, sure. So, okay. it's, so yeah, it's 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 a moment of um, just saying, okay, I need to do this. But anyway, you are doing a contest from your favorite game that you didn't even need to mention because it has been said so many times in this podcast yeah. that people should have not even known that. You should have you should edit that and cut that out. <laughs> well, it's one of my favorite series. It's not my all-time no. favorite series. But anyway, so if you're thinking, Marty, I don't know any of those, don't worry. If you just go and fill out the form with any guess or blank in your email address, you'll get one entry into the contest. And then for each song you get right, you'll get an additional chance to win. And what you're going to have a chance to win is a $25 gift card from our favorite online store, Miniature Market. So there you go. You could just go, if you don't know, enter. If you know the song's fantastic, you have a greater chance to win. And I'll, I'll remind you in each of the segments about the contest so you so you don't forget. And this contest will end on June 1st. So June 1st, 
Name the songs. It's going to be right before we do our, vo- our board game reviews of Vampire Rivals and Vampire Vendetta. There you go. Simplified rules. Be sure to get those forms in on time because we will turn it off. Oh, we do turn it off. And then, like I said, the winner, a $25 gift card to Miniature. You ever heard anybody say it Miniature? I have heard Miniature. And it's probably correct. And we're just like Miniature. Miniature. Well, we shorten everything up here from you all to y'all. Now, one thing I am so proud of you. I sent you a link a while back. And I knew that being the very industrious person that you are, you would take hold of this and make it happen. And me being the lazy, uncommitted person that I am, (laughs) I'm not going to do a thing about it, but I want to do something about it. There are these things called YouTube shorts. Mm -hmm. And Marty is going to, he's been putting, he'll put out one or two, and I'm supposed to put them out eventually if I can figure out how to work a camera and all that good stuff. But we are dabbling our toes in that. And I think this is brilliant. You you and I, we um, brainstormed for a while. Came up with an idea of what? What are we? What do we call it? Kudos to you because I had never heard of this, and you're the one that figured out there's this new thing. It's almost like YouTube's version of TikTok. So they're uh, portrait formatted videos that must be less than one minute. And you said, you know what's a, a great idea? Why don't we do like shorts that's just called "Should You Play." And it's just a quick overview of a game, uh, overview of a game, showing the game, some of the highlights of the game, and then basically speed and feeds, man, like in marketing. And if it's like, here are the things, if you like this, 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 and this, then you should play the game. I thought it was a brilliant idea. And the first one that's out there now is actually from a game that we reviewed our, the last episode, the game face-to-face. And I picked that one. Number one, it's a good game, but it's also one that it was easy to kind of do a quick one just to see how I could get this to work. So go out to our YouTube channel, make sure to subscribe to catch them there. And I'm going to try to put it on our Instagram account at Dyson name as a reel. So I reached out to Danny who works in marketing over at Pandasaurus games. And actually this is one that publishes the game too. I wanted to get her feedback on it. And she said, this is really good. Nobody's really doing this. And she said, also do it on Instagram under reels. So I've, has something else I didn't know about, Tony, that I need to look at. Oh, yeah. So um, I'll probably be putting it there, too. So, yeah, follow us on YouTube. We're going to be doing a series. And what's nice is, Tony, they're quick. It didn't take me long that, to shoot it, and it didn't take too long to edit it. And hopefully it's useful. It's just a one-minute quick look at a game that you can see it, find out a few ideas about it, and just some bullet points to, well, I like three out of four of those things that he mentioned. I think I'll try it. Now, you went above and beyond by showing the game and things like that. I simply was going to do my mug and say, here it is, me. Like, if you want to, like, after the Empire, if you like these type of elements of a game, and it's just going to be me with after the Empire in front of me. Yeah. So here's why I did that. I didn't want my mug to be on the screen. Uh, It was a lot easier for me just to show shots of the game, shots of the components, and do a voiceover on top of that. But that's because you know how to do that. And if I ever go to Video Camera camera 101 with Marty, we will will make that happen. (laughs) And I thought, a game will sell itself more if they see it than seeing my face talk about it. But I agree with that. But I know that's setting up and as we keep putting our toe in the pool for this and seeing how the water is, then, I mean, we may just need to speed it up a little bit. Sure. So I do have a more important question for you. Okay. When we were at the beach, 
we had bars of soap provided by the VRBO people. And have you ever seen the soap that has the little nubs on it? Yes. All right. There was a there was an incident while I was on vacation. Well, let me ask you this. When you place the soap down that has the little nubs on it, nubs on the bottom or nubs on the top? And nubs on the bottom, that's the purpose of it. Are you sure? I thought the nubs were on the bottom to keep it from sticking and hardening to the surface that it's put on and make it easier to pull off when it dries. Surface tension, surface area, you're absolutely right. That's That could be, or were the nubs provided to provide you some gratification as you were watching yourself as far as like rubbing your muscles? Well, excuse me? Oh my rubbing God, your Tony, muscles. this is a family rated episode. What are you talking about gratification with nubs on soap? A massage, like a massage. Oh you know how? Gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So you've got the little knobs, and as you're washing yourself with, you know, rubbing your muscles, and I'm doing this uh, so Marty can see, you're you're massaging your muscles. You don't need to show me. I think I have an idea of what goes on in a shower. Maybe I don't know what goes on in your shower with nubby soap, but... You have a visualization now. Unfortunately, (laughs) yes, I do. Okay. So, well, what happened was I kept going, when I would go take a um, bath, the soap was nub side up <laughs> and i'm like what's going on here so i'm like so but i asked my wife well, i said which should it, which way do you i mean the nubs should they be down or up she goes well the nubs need to be down because of the surface tension and it doesn't cause the soap as the water hits it to be washed away so much you know get um slowly erode over time and i go well, then why are you putting it the other way and she's like, just not paying attention. I understand that. So I was just kind of curious. You know, we always talk about toilet paper going over the top or rolling underneath. Here's a new thing. I just thought it was interesting. It may not be. It may be useless knowledge for everybody out there who have never encountered nubby soap. Can we safely say that we have to be the only board game podcast that has ever had a topic on nubby soap? It's just a window into my mind. <laughs> Can you close the blinds? I don't think I want to see into there anymore. Gratification with nubby soap. Hey, you know, last episode you talked about, don't make me, what was the the new t-shirt that we're going to need to get Emily to do for something about me and my squirrel comment about, don't make me, you're going to make me squirrel. You're going to make me squirrel. Now we got one for nubby soap. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So much merchandise. We almost need RDT and nubby soap now. Oh, yes, absolutely. For instant gratification. <laughs> I wasn't going bad with this. I, was just I know curious. you weren't, but it was just the way you worded it when you said it that was very funny to me. Hey, big shout out to Mr. Thompson and his win, A Golden Geek. Yes, yes, for Undaunted. Woo! Well-deserved, and we know that his expansion... Him and Trevor Benjamin, they both uh, designed that together. Reinforcements, which is going to add units to the existing two games of Normandy and North Africa. I've been talking to Osprey. I said, please, we want to check this out. So we hope to get a copy of that, Tony. Still love and daunted. It's one of those things that, gosh, we got so many other games we talk about and play. But every time I get a chance to bring that game out, I'm pumped to do it. David Thompson is a favorite of ours, and everybody knows that. And I, matter of fact, I saw a gentleman in our um, local community. He was selling an out-of-print game from David Thompson called Castle Itter. 
And I was so excited that I picked that up. I cannot wait to learn that. David, of course, sent me a direct message on Twitter and said, hey, let me know. I'm here for you, man. I'm excited about that. So congrats. What other Golden Geeks were there? There was a lot of Golden Geeks, but there's two that really stuck out to me. So remember last year, the controversy over the best card game was Wingspan. And remember, I had an issue with it. And you're like, no, no, no. It is a card game. You play strictly with cards. All right. So Tony. Talk me down off the off the ledge here with this. Dune won best card game. Okay. It has cards. Oh my god. So so that's the only qualification a game has cards. It's gotta be more than that. I mean, you can't argue the fact that it doesn't. I mean, if it didn't have it in it won it, then you could argue there's no way this should have won best card game. Devil's advocate. The medium weight game of the year was Lost Ruins of Arnak. We covered Lost Ruins of Arnak and Dune about the same time. And we said they were both extremely similar and they had unique deck building mechanics in order to play a board game to generate victory points. Lost Ruins of Arnak won medium game of the year. Didn't even place in the card game category. But to me, there is no difference between those two games as far as mechanisms. It's tough to argue that. I agree. Okay, I'm, I've got nothing. I've got okay. nothing for so, you on that. So, well, let me ask you, just straight up. Would you call Dune a card game? If you were coming up your best card games of last year, would Dune been in your top three as a card game? Would you even have thought of it? Okay, card games. Let me. Here's my list of card games. Would Dune even have shown up in the list? See, well, I'm having a hard time even remem- remembering how to play Dune. That's the problem. Well, it, was, it, remember it, was, it was a deck building game. There was a lot of area majority in it. You remember the combat we had? The bottom, there was a combat phase at the end. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it was deck building, so that makes... Okay, uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak had deck building. Yes, it did. It did. At some point, you eventually stopped, and then you're right, there was the area majority. <sighs> so... Are we saying that any game with cards in it? The runner-up for card game was Fort. 100% agree. That's the main component of that game, cards. Oceans, another one. Main component of that game is cards. But there's a lot more going on in Dune Imperium than just the cards. With pieces and moving around pieces and resource management, the combat system... Uh, so is your point that it shouldn't be it should not be pigeonholed into a card game where people may think that's what it's best at because there were some other elements to it that probably outshine the card game. Here's the thing, it's a popularity contest. So a majority of the people consider it a card game. So I'm in the minority. With the people who voted for this, I'm in the minority and and that's fine. I just me would have not put it into the car. I didn't. When I voted, I didn't come up with that as as my favorite card game. Another big winner, or another winner was Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion for co-op game. I can agree. That that and Pandi- Great game. Pandemic Legacy Season Zero and Forgotten Waters were the two runners up. All well deserved. I think Jaws of the Lion was in a magnificent game of taking the full Gloomhaven experience and bringing it down to something they could put on the target shelves. Really well done. What threw me off, heavy game of the year, was Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. That one I did not get either. Runners up on Mars and Viscounts of the West Kingdom. That I get. To me, I don't want to call Gloomhaven heavy because I think that would scare people away. It's not a heavy game. 
It's a light to medium, easy to medium, easium co-op game. Okay. To learn to play. And I would hope it would be if it's sitting on a target shelf for anybody to walk up and play. I guess what made it a hard game for people that I don't, you know, you don't know. I'm having trouble with that one too. I'm not going. Okay. So again, a majority of the people said this is a heavy game. I'm just surprised that that was considered a heavy game. I'm not saying it's not deserving of a game of the year. I'm just saying that I would have thought it would have been a light or medium game of the year or easy. It just needs a new category, Tony. We need a Mart and an Easium. Okay. Well, good luck getting that pulled. (laughs) (laughs) And and Aldi over at BGG is going, oh my gosh. Can we, can, can y'all just, just, it's just is what it is, y'all. It's just a popularity contest. Does it have to be a huge debate every year? It's like, well, Aldi, we need, we need, we need content. So yeah. That, oh, and by the way, it is for what remains. That's what you're getting from, for David Thompson. Because yeah, there's multiple uh, versions of it, right? Yes. Different themes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, I'm, yep, I'm yep, looking yep, forward yep. to that. So yeah, actually, Undalted won um, runner up to in uh, War Game of the Year. Okay. And there's arguments on that. Yeah. The, game's not, the game is not heavy enough to be considered a war game of the year. Okay. And, and I think there were some discussions of that. Imperial Struggle, which was like a, a Twilight Struggle type game with a, with a more historical theme, won, which kind of makes sense. I, I can see that, though. I can see where people kind of like, eh, is it a war game? To me, I give that more of a pass than doing a card game. So for me, the BGG Awards... It's interesting to see what people are thinking as far as the the games are. And maybe I find games that I might have missed on the list. Mm -hmm. That's really what I use it for. Mm -hmm. But there are tons of games out there that probably weren't even nominated, weren't even picked, or got one or two votes. I mean, the only true games that you need to worry about are the squirrely winners. Well, I agree. Those are the ones that you know matter because there's only a panel of two that determine the winner. <laughs> there you go. Forget about this a huge majority. Majority yeah. of just uh just people going out there just flipping votes all over the place. We take we sit down every year the both of us and we critique every single game that we played to the nth degree to come up with those awards. Absolutely. So you know they're valid, <laughs> especially in the categories, because our categories change year to year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Depending on what we want to win, we'll make come a new category for it. It's like, well, that's not really a card game. Let's come up with one, what, an Easium game, a Martin. Well, I go. can see it next year. We'll, we'll do that. And in fact, one of the games, one of the categories that we always talk about every year is best miniatures game. And I swear every year it ends up going to Games Workshop, Games Workshop game because they just keep knocking it out of the park. Now, Tony, I know you were gone on vacation last week, but last week was Warhammer Fest uh, online. And typically every year, Games Workshop does a big uh, weekend where they show off a bunch of stuff they're coming out with. Well, they couldn't do that this year, obviously, but they did an amazing job throughout the week. Every day, 1 p.m. Eastern time, uh, Monday through Saturday, they had like, you know, it was an Age of Sigmar day, a 40K day, Black Library, which is their novels day, uh, boxed board game day. They just did an amazing job of teasers, having people talk about it. They, they're one of the best in the industry at doing these things. It's almost like a... Uh, a video game, like a Nintendo Direct sort of deal. Like you get that excited about it. And on Twitch, every day they had anywhere from 30 to 40,000 people 
watching this yeah it's insane nobody comes close to that in this space to do a live show and get 30 to forty thousand people watching at the same time so kudos to them their big announcement was a new version of age of sigmar 3.0 that's coming out later this year that's my jam not 40k age of sigmar so i can't wait to hear more about that but i just want to give a shout out to those guys for an amazing job that they did last week so were there any announcements in the Black Library? I'm over on the website uh, about um, uh, Garnack. Uh, Go Trek and Felix. Yeah, Go Trek and Felix Garnack. I'm not, I'm not sure on the, the Black Library. By the way, they do have some good novels. Um, I've read a few of the novels. It's, it's good stuff if you, if you get into the lore. So, oh, I need to check some of that out, see what was announced over there and see what I can do about that. Yep. This is so cool. See, look at you. You're teaching me something that I didn't know anything about. But you taught me about nubby soap, so, you know, we're even now. Absolutely. What I do know is that there is an obsession with you right now called Kubra. No, was it? Cuba Libra. Yes. What is going on here? I finally learned how to play a coin game, and Cuba Libra is one of the, consider the better ones to try out your first game. I'm now my fourth game. Finishing it up, I'm playing it remotely with a good friend of mine, Dave Finkel, and another guy, Rodney Smith. I can't say he's a good friend because of what he's he's been doing to me today on the board. And so we've played our fourth game. Basically, what we're doing, each of us had the board set up. We video our moves and then send them to each other and play like that. Well, it's time to move on, Tony, to another coin game called Andean Abyss. So I just picked that up. It is because mm. it is the first coin game. Cuba Libra, I believe, was the second in the series. So we're going to be setting that up. And our good friend Chaz Marler has also learned how to play coin games. So now we're going to do a four-player game of Andean Abyss. Okay. All right. Well, good. Maybe someday you'll teach your good friend here in Charlotte how to play a coin game. I put it out there to our game group. I now know enough about the game to be able to teach it. Like I said, I've now played four times. I've played Cuba Libra four times to where I feel I'm confident I can teach it. But what's amazing is every time I play, it's like peeling an onion. There's like other layers I just didn't see before and other strategies. For those who've never played, it's basically four asymmetric factions with their own in-game goals, their own victory conditions, but it's the action selection mechanic that I think is so unique, and I hope to do a special segment or an episode or something around coin games someday because I just couldn't explain it in two or three minutes, but it's the action selection mechanic of coin games that I'm absolutely in love with. So let me give you something for that special episode you're getting ready to do that you can just cut and paste over and over. Okay. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, no, it would be nice. Mm-hmm. It would, no, hold on. If, if you're on with me, I want us to talk about it together. So that's why we would have to sit down and have to teach it to you. But are you okay sitting down for a four-hour game? Sure. I'm happy to sit down for a four-hour game as long as the switch is up there. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're out. I'm not a, I don't have a problem. Speaking of playing four-hour games. Oh, phase 10 at the beach. Oh, my heavens. That took forever to play, but the point, okay, so I was at the beach. I took my um, mother to the beach. I have my aunt and uncle, and they're all in their um, late 70s. My mom will actually be 80 in two weeks. And actually, she will turn 80 um, when this show comes out, I believe, if I, my timing's right, or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. 
And one of the things I noticed is that while we were playing, we played quicks. We played uh, some card games, uh, hand and foot. We played Opa <laughs> Every time you say that, I hear, is it hoof and mouth disease? Hoof and mouth. Hoof, yeah, <laughs> we, 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 call, we actually call it that when we're playing it. Okay. Uh, and Donna was there. So hand, hand and foot is not one of my favorite card games, but it's, it's actually pretty decent if you have the right numbers. And anyway, so quicks, hand and, hand and foot, phase 10, skip bow. What's the other one? Oh, uh, five crowns, which I don't mind playing. I actually enjoy five crowns. Mm -hmm. And then they always entertain me by playing six nymphed, which is the cow game that I love. I love that game. I like six nymphed. Yeah. What was the follow-up they had to that? X nymph. Okay. And I have that, but I can't play that because it's complicated for them. Okay. Which I, which is fair. And then um, the other one we played a lot of, and I'm very excited that uh, Rio's going to send me the expansions. We played a ton of Bonanza. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they've got a couple new expansions coming out, and I think you're going to get a copy of them. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, So as the week progressed, I got to see my loving mother, my adorable aunt, and my incredibly sweet uncle become very cutthroat. <laughs> <laughs> when we were playing Bonanza, I said, okay, I was teaching them. I'm like, you know, the, we're playing the game nice. Mm-hmm. This is not a nice game, but they just enjoyed playing with the beans. But it was fun. It, it taught me that you never need, don't stop playing games. Mm-hmm. Just, just don't, even those. Because when we were playing quicks, it was interesting to watch the mind work and how they were doing, you know, I was sitting there thinking, okay, you know, they were they were having to put the dice together. I could see they were exercising their mind. So for everybody out there who have elder parents, these games are great. Don't discount them, but don't play Phase 10. And what was even funnier is Scott Morris also got to play Phase 10, and he and I sent each other a little Facebook note about that. <laughs> I'm just like... Isn't it something? He's like, yep, something I never want to deal with again. I'm like, yeah. The game that never ends. Oh, my. Well, there's only, there's 10 phases, but it takes everybody forever to get there. Yeah. And my mom's like, why aren't you keeping score? I go, mom, it really doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, those were the beach games. But I did, my wife has been playing games, two-player games with me. We've been cleaning out the two-player shelf. We finally got to play Hive. Have you ever played Hive? I have not. Is Is it a good one? Well, think of it like chess with bees and bugs and things like that. So an abstract game. An abstract game. Moving the pieces. Each piece has a different movement type thing. You know, you've heard so much about it. And I played it and my wife, we finished it and I go, thanks for playing. She goes, yeah, we'll never play that one again. Wow. I said, oh, okay. Why is that? It's got bugs. She's not a big chess person. Okay. So so I'm like, that's fine. What does I'm chess so, have to do with bugs? It's the it's the multiple pieces. Okay. She doesn't like that type of strategy game. Okay. And I'm like, oh, I appreciate you playing it. I thought it might be something different. It's not as thinky as chess by any means, but there you go. You can um I appreciate you trying it. So as we're going through the two player games, we're 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 emptying the door emptying that shelf off. And I I'm glad I'm getting boxes. Can't wait for Mega Moose Con. That's gonna be in the five dollar pile. Nice. Marty, I got a problem. It's not about Nubby Soap getting 
can we, can we just, washed can we away. just move on from the nubby soap? If that's your solution, I don't want to hear about it. So I went out to portalgamesus.com. Huh? Yeah. And it redirected me to portalgames.pl slash en slash. Okay. I, I think that's supposed to do that now. I'm so confused. <laughs> Wait a minute. Isn't there something in their shopping website too? There was. I don't know anymore. <laughs> I just... <laughs> just go to Google search and type portal games, board games that tell stories. You'll click a link. Hopefully it'll be the right one. And you'll get to see some amazing stuff that Ignacy has over there. Oh, I actually got uh, it. It's shopportalgames.com. Shopportalgames.com. Does it actually work? Yes, it does. And in fact, I'm looking at it pre-order today and get 20% discount off the Egyptian Kings. Now, by the time this episode drops, it may not be 20% off anymore. But Tony, you and I are going to get to play Egyptian Kings this week, and we're going to be covering it in our next episode. That is the expansion for the Empires of the North, which you and I love. So I can't wait to check out these brand new factions. Absolutely. I am very excited. Is it just the Egyptian kings? There's two factions in there, right? There, oh, yes. There's one that's the Hatshepsut and Amenhotep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Easy for you to say. Well, one of the things I want to point out, though, is kind of like when we have barbarians. I was going to say, Marty, just bring me barbarians, and I will play that while you learn these two new ones. But now I guess I have to learn one as well. Yes, yes. So you'll pick one, and I'll pick the other. One of them is the faction introduces a new mechanism of assigning workers to field cards to make them more fertile and effective. And the other one is locations in the deck will decline and get discarded at the end of the round if the player won't spend resources to keep the card in the Empire. So once again, two distinct factions two different play styles so i just can't wait to see how they work and then we'll talk about it next episode i'm very excited for us to talk about it in the next episode in the next episode we're going to talk about it that should keep us from having a problem next episode but there's also 51st state moloch out there that expansion's been out there 15 dollars on the site go there pick it up if you love 51st state as much as marty and i do it's 15 dollars. what's 15 dollars? it's an expensive hamburger okay which would you rather do? Eat a hamburger that lasts you, oh, roughly 12 hours or pick up 51st State Mullock expansion? That. You may not be able to eat it, but let me tell you, this will sustain your life longer. It'll bring you more joy than that hamburger. Unless it's a um, farmhouse burger with a fried <laughs> egg on top. That's pretty darn good. But anyway, be sure to go check it out at shopportalgames.com. One of my favorite board game companies has a Kickstarter that is launching on May 11th. So after this show airs, it has launched, if I'm doing my math right. Matter of fact, I'm pretty darn sure because today is May the 10th of the recording this. So tomorrow <laughs> oh, it would have launched, which means that a week when this show goes, it would have been a week into it. And that is from Forbidden Ooh. Games Mosaic. We got a preview copy of this. This is a card-driven, sieve-themed game where each person has a unique leader or ability they're going to start out with. So you already start out, everybody has something a little unique about it. And you've got these really nice player boards, Tony, to be able to track uh, all the different resources that you have, plus the money that you have, etc., that you're going to be using and on your turn to take, I believe it's one of eight actions to be able yep. to go out. And most of them are buying cards. There's cards lying all over this huge board of different types of texts and people and everything that you can put into play. 
Really, it comes down to a Euro style game, Tony, where you're trying to kind of build somewhat of a little engine in order to create resources in order to be able to deploy these super nice looking buildings and fields and castles out onto the board in order to set up some somewhat of an area majority and uh, that you're going to be using to collect victory points over the course of the game. First off, we got a proto, so everything wasn't finalized, which was fine. The boards were, I can't wait to see what the final production is going to be. But you know, Glenn Drover, the designer of this, who is another one of our favorite designers, he has put an effort into this to bring this game down to, I, don't, I would say, an easium. Yes. Game. Yeah. Yeah. It is not a hardcore Civ game like Through the Ages. No, it is not. One of the things about this game is that the year is these technology cards. And there's some a little theme with this where, you know, you are going to have these technology cards that go out. This, you have a starter hand and there are icons on these cards. And in order to advance your technology, you have to have certain ones in play. For instance, you need to, even though it wasn't in there, you need to, but we're going to just use it as an example. You need to have developed ink in order to have writing. You know what I'm saying? You need to have a will so you can have a cart. I'm not saying these are in the game. It's just an example. Mm -hmm. So it ties in these various icons. I've, I, it took me back to Seven Wonderish. And when you said that, the light bulb kind of went off in my head because you're right. So you're going to be able to put cards down on the table. And the cards that are in play will have uh, certain icons, like you said. But as you draw and get other cards into your hands, there'll be requirements to be able to get those cards into play. So they're like prerequisites, which is a lot like Seven Wonders. As the game progresses through the rounds, you'll have more cards in play to be able to build the bigger things and, and wonders, etc. Same thing is going on here. And there are other areas where you will be drafting cards that will help your civilization. Cards that will allow you to put down, like Marty said, the miniatures. You can be putting down maybe farms or cities along those lines in various areas. And when you place these on the maps, then you will be able to gain either treasures or additional resources. But one of the things I found very unique about this, because the turns are very quick. Mm -hmm. you're, you're either going to go get a card or you're going to increase your production of an of either ideas or food. And one of the things is that you will be using your population, which helps you develop more ideas or to gain more food or gain more stone as certain cards advance those tracks. So if I've got 10 people and five stone, I'm going to get 15 stone when I take the action to be able to create stone. Mm -hmm. But when I go build a city, then it's going to cause me X amount of stone, X amount of population. I don't know why I hurt those people, but well, no, okay, you didn't. Whatever. So you're building, oh, a, right. you're building a city, and people got to live in them. So population, you know, from where you are, is going to go out there and basically populate those. Look at and, you! And so as you build up your cities and locations and stuff, well, then you need to kind of repopulate to be able to generate more resources to keep spreading out on the board. And even though there's no combat in this game, like in typical Civ games. You're kind of like trying to position yourself on the board to kind of have a majority in, in certain areas because that's what's going to score you some points in the end. Right. So as these decks deplete, there are four of them, as these decks deplete, then a scoring mechanism happens. Uh, of the four scoring, after three, then the game ends. Now, part of the scoring is, okay, 
we're going to look at this area and we're going to look at who has majority in there and whoever has majority based on their towns, based on soldiers, you add that together and then they are going to score victory points because they have influence based on the cities, everybody's cities, because it's now their empire. Right. So there is the conflict. I don't want you to score all those points if I sat up there and I built a monument and I built a city. I need to take care of that. So it's very important that you manage that because you never do know when those in-game scorings will come up. I will say, and this is not final production, one of the things that happened to me is my cards kind of got jammed up in my hand and we wish there were, you know, some ways and this could have been, this may be the final production to, actually there was, there was a way to wipe uh, uh, the technology board. Yeah. So it was, there was like, man, there's really nothing on technology I need. Want to be able, we want to find a way to be able to wipe those off and get some new cards out. But once again, real simple. You've got these eight actions that you're going to be doing. But you only do one action per turn. Right. One at a time. You're either going to produce or gain cards or create soldiers. You've got those actions. Once you're done with that, next person. Round and round you go till the third scoring occurs. And then you do the final scoring and life is good. And I was going to say, again, if people think, oh, Civ game, fix text trees and stuff like that. There's not really a tech tree per se. Again, think more along the line of Seven Wonders. You're going to get some maybe really simple technologies into play in your area, which will allow you to build more sophisticated buildings and technologies as the game goes on. Gorgeous artwork. Yep. Amazing game. When this game board comes out and the way the artwork style is done with mosaics to do the maps, it's a drover. It's kind of like Raccoon Tycoon where people said, oh, this kind of has like, you know, a stock train type feel, but in a smaller, easier package to grasp. That's kind of what this is. This is what Mosaic is with something that's more uh, a higher end, more complicated Civ type game. I can't wait to see the final. It's going to be, it's out there on Kickstarter. Be sure to get out there. It plays two to six players. I can't wait to see what some of the items are going to be in the Kickstarter for the various stretch goals. There may, uh, who knows? I haven't seen it yet. There's this picture of the various items, the various wonders that you can build out on BGG. Be sure to go check it out. Man, I wish I had had these images when you and I were playing. Mm-hmm. They even got some, the, the various, the science, the population, government, military. These are the, the tech trees we're talking about. Building, economy, food production, culture, urbanization. It's all there. Be sure to go check it out over at the Kickstarter for Forbidden Games. Another Drover classic coming at you. Just a reminder, everybody, that song that you just heard is from a Castlevania game. And this is probably one of the more recognizable, more popular ones because it's featured in several games. And it's the only song that I think that's ever been in the Castlevania Netflix show, Tony. And it's also thematically this works because this week, Castlevania Season 4 pops 
on Netflix, so I can't wait to uh, watch it. So remember, contest is going on. Check the show notes to be able to enter in what the name of that song was. Tony, here we are. Vampire hold on, the- hold on, oh, hold I, on. You just won't let me transition, will you? No. Well, you can, but you got to transition off of Netflix, Castlevania. What? Oh, Castlevania is an animated series on Netflix. It's in this oh. fourth season, and it's based off... Uh, if you have you ever played Castlevania, anyway, there's a whole family, no. there's a whole family of Belmonts. This is featuring one of the particular Belmonts in one of the games. So there's a lot of interesting stories in the Castlevania line. So this is okay. kind of loosely based on some of the video games. All right, go, go, go. Vampire: go. The Masquerade Rivals, the expandable card game. Now this is based off the extremely popular RPG Vampire: The Masquerade from the World of Darkness that has been around for decades. And Tony, yesterday I spent probably an hour reading the fifth edition Vampire: The Masquerade RPG book just to get a little bit of history about what is this lore all about. Wasn't an hour well spent. It was. Okay. And this RPG book is actually going to be reprinted under Renegade Games. It's, it's like, if you got the fifth edition, you've already got the book. There's nothing new about it. But now it will be coming from Renegade. So make sure to keep an eye out for that. It's coming out this summer. But Tony, did you do you remember seeing the movie Blade in the 90s with Wesley Snipes? I remember the movie. I never saw the movie, but I do know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, you never yes. saw the movie? Okay, no, I, and you also know I never watched Buffy, so well, there you go. Well, that's a TV show, but this is this is a movie. That's different. I thought you might have seen the movie. No, I did not see um, Blade. Okay, he, he, which is comic book, isn't he? He is. In fact, he's one to me one of the first Marvel movies ever made. A lot of people say, "Oh, you know, it was Iron Man." It's like, no, I think it was Blade was actually the best huh? early Marvel movie. And I okay. watched it last year. Vanessa hadn't seen it forever, neither had I. And we watched it over Halloween. It actually pretty much holds up. The special effects don't, but the story does. But the reason why I bring it up is because a lot of the premise in that movie is that vampires are roaming about us. And it's called the masquerade is because they don't want to be outed. They just want to seem mm-hmm. like regular humans going around doing their business because they found over the centuries that's the best way to get things done. They gain a lot. Some of them gain a lot of power. Uh, they're basically hiding in plain sight. And what happened in the movie Blade was there's the old guard, the the old way of doing things that they've done for centuries. And these new young bloods came in and wanted to change things up, you know, and cause some problems. And that's kind of what's happening in, in this book. Also, there's an old guard that kind of watches over everything has been for centuries. And there's a new group, the Anarchs. He's like, no, we're going to turn things upside down, start doing things our way. There's a lot of deep lore in here. There's different clans. And the card game is all based on that, especially leaning into the clans. As in the base card game that we got has four of the seven clans. Now, now I can't remember. I know there's 13 clans, but some of them aren't around anymore from what I read. And we've seen four of them come out in this base set. And to me... This game mechanically and thematically works really well in that you're controlling a group of vampires who are trying to gain influence. They're trying to complete their agendas. They're trying to maybe thin out some other vampires that are running around the city because it almost has a mafia or a mob feel where you're trying to take control of a city. And in this case, 
It's uh, San Francisco. And all these things are going on, culminating in what I think is a really cool card game. And now for me, for someone who knows nothing, absolutely nothing about the lore behind this, I'm going to look at it from one of my favorite card games, Android Netrunner, and see if it gives me that feel. Okay. See if it's something that I would want to make expandable, or am I going to be four and done? So as we put it on the table, I'm sitting there thinking, all right, what are the mechanics that I need to learn how to use? What are some of these various clans? How are they working together? Do they, because you can, you can definitely deck build, which is a, number one, that is, that has to happen for me. Yep. You have to be able to deck build. Lore aside, I'm looking at it from that capability. You said at the beginning of the show that you've played it with the multiple accounts, the two, the three, the four. Is there one that you particularly liked? Because there's a, there's a key component, the rivals. And I'll go let, this is your segue into that discussion. You weren't there when we played the four-player game. And I nope. think the four-player game was the most interesting of them all. Okay. So we're going to premise this with Lord of the Rings uh, trading card game and the four-player version of that, which was outstanding yep. on how we worked together as the uruk the Goblins, or, or whatever. You know, the, the Shadow. The Easter, it was, I think it the was shadow. The Shadow, yeah. Yeah, to try to defeat someone from going down the path, from getting all the way to the end. I would always associate a game when we play multiplayer. Does it give me that feel of working together, but not at the detriment of someone losing or getting teamed up on? All right. There's a lot to unpack right there. It's called Rivals because in a, in a game, you will naturally have one player that's a rival. And in a two-player game, obviously, each of you are your own rivals. But in a four-player game, you've got four tokens that's going to be distributed. And whoever's play, the first player is considered number one. Then it goes clockwise, one, two, three, four. And then you get a token that tells you either one, two, three, or four, which one of those guys or people will be your rival over the course of the game. One thing that I've liked about Netrunner is the fact that there were multiple ways to win the game. Mm -hmm. And this is the same way. And one of those is basically just knock out your rival. So you have two decks, vampires and your action deck, and they're separate. When you draw, you can draw from either one and you're trying to put vampires into play. And if your rival is able to knock out all your vampires, basically somewhat kill, not really kill them, but knock them all out of action, then they just automatically win, regardless of what anybody else has done. Typical beatdown type scenario that we have with Magic and all the other games that are like this. Yes. But remember, you can only do that against one person. Mm -hmm. If you take out somebody that's not your rival, I love this. What happens is the person whose rival it is actually gets three agenda points. Okay. And if you knocked out somebody else's, then it goes to, okay, well, who had the most agenda points? Because another way to win is the first person to get 13 agenda points can also win. So you win if you're the first player to get 13 points, you win if you knock out your rival, or you win if you have the most agenda points when a foe, which is not necessarily a rival, gets knocked out uh, and neither win condition is met. There's your three. So that is right there is you could build decks for three different things. You could right. be, I'm just going to rush to try to get agenda points as fast. I don't even want to fight. In fact, two of them, the Malkavians and the Ventrus, uh, they're a little more shady. They're about doing some other dealings and stuff, and they don't necessarily go out there and beat down a bunch of people because there may be a way they can generate agenda points quickly. 
Whereas the Bruja, one of the clans, is they just want to get in there and want to punch people, man. In fact, they can get some points just by taking extra points by taking people out. And I wanted to build up the one that developed the following, and I don't know which if it was one of the ones you've already mentioned. I don't remember the names, but they developed the following by getting the various from the center deck where these various uh, vagrants or, or whatever uh, citizens come out. And if I bring them into my clan or they become my f- followers, I know that's not the right term, I can score agenda points. So that's Toreador. And they're all about the social aspect. This is one thing I love too. So there's a center deck called the city deck. And uh, each turn, based on the number of players, there's going to be cards in the middle that you can go and interact with. And the Torridor is all about, they're the social clan. I was reading the who the different clans are in the book and how it compares. So they're all about, they're the actresses. They're the, the good looking people, the, the singers, the pop stars and stuff. They're all about social activity. When you go and make attacks against somebody else, there's three different types of attacks you can make. Physical, social, and mental. Well, that particular clan, they're really good at social. Bruja, those who want to punch you in the face, they're really good at the physical. So everybody has their different ways of playing uh, during the game, which is reminds me of Netrunner in that, you know, the different corporations play differently. Mm-hmm. The different runners play differently. It's just whatever style that you liked. And, and that's one of the things that I enjoy about any of these card games that we talk about. How do I mix and match those so that they benefit from each other? And I'm sure there are going to be deck construction rules along that line and that various types of uh, clans will not work well together. So you got to keep that in mind. But one of the other interesting from the city deck, when we were playing this, there was this one card and I know I'm going to get it wrong. So I'm going to leave it up to you, but where these special op guys came out and they were mean and nasty. That is the sad S A D, which stands for the special affairs division. And I think this is really cool too. So these are humans that know vampires are out there and they're hunting us down. They're hunting all of us down. And if they're in the city deck at the end of your turn, one of your vampires takes a hit, just takes damage. So there's an incentive to go out there and get rid of them. You'll get an agenda point also if you take them out. But here's the thing. There's four of those in the city deck and they stack. So the more that come out, the more damage that will be done to you. Now, I happened to play the Ventru the other day. And I was able to hide myself from them. I love this too. There's two locations. You have your haven where you can kind of sit back and hide or you can go out into the streets. And when you go out into the streets, you're out in the open. You can interact with those citizens that you talked about in the city deck, but also other vampires can easily find you and attack you too. Well, the sad can easily shoot into your haven without much problem unless you do something what's in called, which is called increase your secrecy, which makes you harder to find in your haven. It's just a, it's a value. You get a plus one secrecy while in the haven. I was able to increase mine even more so that the sad couldn't hit me. So then I didn't care. I'm just going to leave them in the center and let everybody else take damage or either have to deal with them. It's not the magic. It's not even ashes of Okay, you just need to knock out the uh, your main Phoenix born. You need to knock out your planeswalker and the game over. No, no, no. Much more than that's going on. And that brings to a point where suddenly this multiplayer game suddenly becomes a cooperative game when those come to the table. And that's what happened the other night. That's what I loved about this four-player game. So here's the experience that we had. I'm just going to use the people that played at the table. Bert was Mark's rival. 
Mark wanted to take him out. And Bert was down to one guy with not much health. Nate and I were going, we have to protect Bert. If Bert goes out, there's no way we can win. So then what we did is we tried to play cards and stuff to try to protect Bert. Or I would try to take out Mark's guys who happened to be my rival so he wouldn't have anybody to attack with or not be able to attack as well. So it creates these natural alliances through the course of the game that it's not necessarily that you're trying to help somebody else. You just want them to survive long enough so that you have a chance to win. Mm -hmm. There you go. And that is cool. Yeah. Working together, keeping each other alive so that someone else doesn't win. But, and I know we're jumping around, but that's just the way I like doing these games because this game is so good. I I enjoyed the times we've played. I'm excited uh, for um, me, my, my base copy so that I can start working on the decks. But one of the things that I also liked is the fact of the mana reserve. You, um, you don't, you don't get. I know it's not mana. Okay, let's just call it what it is. It's prestige. It's prestige, and I like that aspect. It's not infinite. Another thing you have to manage. So you're talking about uh, there is a supply that everybody starts with twenty mm-hmm. prestige. Everybody starts with that. One way that you can be knocked out. Not only if you all your vampires get knocked out. If your prestige goes to zero. That triggers the end of game. And then if it was the rival that took you out, well, then they win. But otherwise, if you go to zero, then whoever has the most agenda points at that time wins. And prestige is the resources that you use to pay for things, especially getting out vampires. All vampires have something called a blood potency, a value that they come in that is their basically their health. And when you put a vampire into play, the prestige token has prestige on one side, but blood on the other, you'll take your prestige, flip it over to the blood side until it matches their blood potency. And that's coming from your pool of 20. So you have to carefully manage that. So you probably can't put out all your vampires at once because you'll run out of prestige. And then there's other tricks. People can steal prestige from you. Etc. So they can like, oh, I'm, I'm going to take one of this from you. But then there's other people that can like, well, I, there's a general supply of prestige sitting in the middle of the table, an extra 12. And you may be able to gain extra that you can use over the course of the game. So the resource management is cool. And it's when you pay for things, it's not your typical, I want to play an action card. How much mana, quote, does that cost? Action cards require one of two things. They're either unhosted which means you just play them and use them. Or they're hosted, which means you have to exhaust one of your vampires in order to take that action. When I play a card, I don't have to pay anything to play it except possibly exhaust a vampire. I like that too. Yeah, I, I did too. I thought that was a unique mechanism. So overall, very excited. Can't wait to get dive into this game. Can't wait to see where it goes. Hope it has some legs that so we get some more clans out on the table there's already two clans in the expansion coming in fact you can pre-order it right now on miniature market oh go that's miniaturemarket.com be sure to go to miniaturemarket.com to get your expendable card game from vampires rivals now i will say everybody who's listening to this podcast knows this is a pet peeve of ours why do we have to use font style smallest ever i don't have to use reading glassing on these i did I couldn't tell that I could not tell the tokens. Last Thursday night when I played, I didn't have to. Are you sure you didn't have a magnifying screen in front of you the whole time? I am 100% positive. Now, they do have these little icons on each of the vampire okay. cards, which are abilities. 
And they don't mean anything by themselves, but there could be a card that says, if this vampire has this particular ability, it, it does something for you. I guess that's what I remember. I was trying to get see these abilities. Is that is that the fight ability? Is that what what, what ability is that? Well, yeah. So there's a bunch of different icons, and again, one of them is a fist. By itself, it means nothing, but you may have something else that says, hey, you get plus one damage for every vampire in your party that has a fist. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this, though. There's a couple other types of actions I want to hit on, but we're talking about that. So you compared it to Netrunner. Can you remember back to when we learned Netrunner, which do you think has a steeper learning curve? Because I think Vampire has a steeper learning curve than some other games we've played in the past. I'm sorry. I'm biased to Netrunner, and that's just because... I remember us trying to get through the rule book and the various action levels that when you are this, then this would trigger, then this would trigger. You know, you had all that stacking going on. I have not, we did not in the game. I, the games I played, I never encountered that stacking protocol as I call it or process. Did you encounter any of that stacking stuff? That's what makes Netrunner harder to me. Oh, you're talking about where you play abilities. Uh, Magic can have this too, where cards stack and then you pop from the top and resolve yeah. them. No, that's actually what I like about this. And the fact that like when you go to attack somebody, you could play an attack card. They have a reaction card they can play, but you play them at the same time, then flip over and resolve. So there's not this you go, I go, you go, I go. So attacks go super fast. So I didn't see that, but I just didn't know whether all these different mechanics that you have to learn about, such as when you lose your final blood from a vampire, they go to a location, go Torpor, where they get a blood from your personal supply to put on them. And then every turn, they get one extra blood until they come back. So they're not gone forever. They'll eventually come back into your party and everything. I mean... Or the actions, the two really cool actions, conspiracies and schemes, where one of them was, I'm going to like show you a card and it's going to say, hey, I'm going to get three prestige and I can bid on that. Every vampire might have something called influence to where I can exhaust their influence and add it to my influence pool and then do a blind bid. I love this. Pick up my, that prestige, my limited prestige and blind bid to add to my influence. Every other person gets to do the same thing. They can vote yes or no based on the influence they put in. And at the end, you reveal in whichever vampires have the most influence based on the yes, if you vote yes or no again, whichever one has the most, well, then that card resolves, but the prestige they bid is gone. If you lost, you keep it back. So blind bids, I like that. I like conspiracies to where there's these cards that will trigger once I get a certain amount of prestige on it, but I can get other people to get in on it. So Nate, that's what he did. He would show Mark a card. It's like, hey, Nate, you want in on this card? And if Nate contributes some of his prestige to that conspiracy, he can't be targeted by it. So then when Nate triggers it, whoever contributed to it can't be a target to the card and it's always bad. Again, in theme-wise, you're hiding, you're conspiracy, you're working together, you're creating these natural foes and friends and everything. It's just, it felt like more of a board game than some sort of LCG. Okay, so here's here's counterpoint. If you're playing this with just two players, then that kind of, in my opinion, goes out the window. You are 100% right. Remember at the very, very beginning of this segment, which player count do I like the most? 
for player because that stuff really sticks out. You're right. Conspiracies and schemes is not the same effect. I would never show you a scheme and say, hey, we." well, no, schemes, we can still vote yes or no. If I have a lot of influence, I can still make them pop. The conspiracies aren't as fun because I can't bring anybody else in on it because it would always be against you. That I agree on. So I think when you go and play and you go into a tournament, you're going to change your deck depending on what the player count's going to be. You have to. Yeah. Which can be daunting mm-hmm. to some. Oh my gosh. Well, I got to keep this in mind or that in mind when I'm, I'm playing this game based on the player count. I can see where that can be challenging. Mm-hmm. We've been going on a while about this. I'm excited to get into this to see how it goes just because I always enjoy card games that allow me to have multiple victories, not just kill the opponent. I enjoy that. The deck building and being able to mix and match various capabilities with specific, and I'm going to say here, clan attributes. This one is tough. This one is conspiracy. This one has this mechanic. I like exploring that of the various factions, so they will have that for me. Uh, I enjoy the fact that I have a limited mana prestige, 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 prestige pool that I have to manage, that I am trying to hurt for someone else, and you have to be very, very careful of it, even on your side. And then finally, I like that there is a common enemy for everyone, that you are trying to defeat that common enemy or gain access to that enemy by going out into the street. So that to me are the highlights of the game for me that I am looking forward to. Yeah. So for me, this is the best multiplayer CCG LCG I've played since Lord of the Rings. Easily. There's other games that's tried it. Ashes does not work with four player. You just end up ganging up on somebody. It, it just doesn't work. Netrunner didn't even really work with multiplayer. It's the most in-depth thematic LCG competitive. Put that on there. Competitive LCG I've played since Netrunner, which is why I'm excited about this. The multiple pass to victory, I, I am all about. One thing I love is that city deck because what they can do is there's going to be different cities. Maybe they're going to go to Chicago. Maybe they're going to go to London. And the people that come out in that city deck will change with each of these decks. So you could play the exact same vampire deck against a different city and it'll work totally different. So this is probably one of those games I hope. I hope that we fall in love with it like we did with Netrunner. I would love to sink my teeth into another card game and just really get into it. It is out right now. You can go get it on Miniature Market. Like I said, they've already got the next expansion for pre-order. I know because this game was delayed, they've worked on many future expansions, so they're ahead of the curve. They're going to have deck builders on the website. This is Vampire the Masquerade Rivals expandable card game designer designer Matt Hyra, who worked on the World of Warcraft miniatures game that we loved and the Versus system that we enjoyed too. He is now with Renegade Games, and I hope this game has the legs that I think it will have.
the next game we're going to talk about is Vampire Theme 2. Because, well, we warned you at the beginning. This is going to be about vampires. Vampire the Masquerade Vendetta. This is by Charlie Cleveland and Bruno Faduti. And it is from the Horrible Guild uh, publisher. This is a bluffing. Hey, Marty, it's a card game. BGG could be card game of the year, man. Yep, 100% card game. So we got area majority. We got um, bidding. We got bluffing. We got hand management. We got take that. This is a game that you are playing cards and locations to try to get victims. I'm going to go ahead and call them victims over into your clan. Let's use the same terms here. Mm -hmm. And then once everybody has played a set number of cards around, you, re- you they're either revealed when you play them or they're hidden, which costs you some blood. Don't forget to pay that blood for hiding those cards. Then everybody flips them over. Various actions take place. Whoever wins or gains the most Im- influence in that area, area control, they gain that victim. All right. For me, and Marty loves when I do this, loved it. That's it. We're done. I'm good. This game really surprised me. It really, because when I read the rules, it's like 30-minute game, three to six players. How will it be that engaging? But once again, they capture the theme here. Like you said, you're each controlling a clan. You've got a limited supply of blood, but that's why you want to get uh, these allies is what they're called, Tony. Allies onto your side, because at the beginning of each of the three rounds, there's only three rounds, you collect blood based on the amount of allies that you can have in order to spend when you place your cards. Now, this is cool too. You start with only a few cards in your hand, and at the beginning of your turn, you draw two, keep one, discard the other. But you use the same cards every round. Mm -hmm. After you play them, at the end of the round, you take them back into your hand. So what's interesting is, Tony, you may have this really cool card that you played, and I know that you have it. And the next round, I know that I might see that card again. But you know that too. Mm -hmm. Because on your turn, you're going to play one card from your hand to one of the locations. It's one of three locations. Oh, it depends on the number of players. One of three locations. When you put that card down, you can put one to three blood with that card to help with the influence. Like you said, you can play it face up for free. But if you play it face down, it costs another blood to be able to do so. So, Tony, you may go, I know Marty knows I have this card. So I'm going to play this card face down and make him wonder, oh, crap. Is that the one that got me last time? And it's going to make me worried to go to that location. I just may avoid it altogether. Or is it the one that I turn face down that you fear when it comes face up, you have wasted all your blood in that area? Or maybe you're like, is that that card that he was able to pull off his deck and just use it at any time? Or is that the card that suddenly drains blood from me? A lot of bluffing, a lot of snickering, a lot of... Or if you're in a location, and and Marty, I know you'll correct me, you are able to withdraw from that location if you don't think you're the strongest there, Mm -hmm. and you go over to the Prince of Chicago. Yeah, you go to the final location where you're not out of that, you don't, that vampire is not lost and not be able to do anything. He just relocates to a different area, and maybe he could win over in that area, which has an ally to gain also. Right. But that's a specific, that is the very last. And I think it's called the Prince of Chicago, according to the BGG site. And that's where you can have this big old battle. The going Prince's on. Haven looking at the, the Prince. Book. There you go. Or maybe you intended to go there, but you bluffed your way over there. 
Exactly. Exactly. You may think, oh, good. I ran them off with the intent of like, no, I was always going to go over to the Princess Haven and try to win that. And the resolution is really simple. You actually flip up all the cards that are there and they might have different abilities on them. Well, they do have different abilities on. They activate during different times. Some are passive. They're just always on. But some of them happen during the preparation phase. Like when you first reveal, the first thing is preparation phase. So you resolve all those. There's the actual conflict where you add up the influence of everybody. There are some cards that resolve at that time. And then once all said and done, there's the aftermath cards, which resolve at the end. Now, some of these may be stealing blood or affecting people in other ways. What's interesting, Tony, if you steal somebody's last blood, they go into a frenzy. And what they have to do is they take all their allies and shuffle them together and randomly pick one. But here's the thing. Some of those allies may be vampires. And the thing about vampires is they are worth a lot of points at the end of the game. And you want to have them in your tableau to count as points at the end of the game, which is the whole goal is to have the most points at the end of the game. When you shuffle all your allies together and you randomly pull one out and if it happens to be a vampire, that is bad. They don't like it when vampires drink off another vampire. Number one, you'll lose that one, all those points. That's something really bad, but you get this token for the rest of the game that you can use as basically like an extra blood that when, when you bid. But the thing is, though, another reason why you want to try to win at the locations is not only you get the ally, the person who comes in first place gets an ally and an influence token. If you come in second place, you just get a random victim, uh, which you mentioned earlier, a random victim and an influence token. And if you come in third, you still get an influence token. So if you finish in the top three, you're going to get something. Area majority, know the cards, remember the cards that are being played. This game can go up to six players. I can see where that would be hectic, but it would still be fun. Once again, I had a blast with it various different decks. Some of the cards are the same, but each of the decks was different. Everybody, you start out with a different clan. Everybody gets one and it's, it's a different clan deck with all different abilities, just like in, in the card game. But again, it has the cool bluffing thing. It has the bluffing and the deception and all that going on, which thematically makes sense. And Tony, like I said, once you know the game, 30 minutes, three rounds and you're out, count up the most influence and that's the game. Yeah, and it's a great way to end the evening is to sit there and make fun of one another and trash talk one another. What a, what a better way to close out the board game night. So again, this was a surprise to us. Vampire the Masquerade, a vendetta from Horrible Guild. A surprise, but a very pleasant surprise. This is a small box game. Easy to set up, easy to play. I, uh, yeah, Tony, I like it. The, these two vampire-themed games, I really dug. Renegade Games and Paradox Interactive are joining forces to bring us Elysium, Weekend of Darkness. This is a two-day online event, getting a behind-the-scenes look at the companies producing the Rivals card game and the RPG. You'll get to hear from the World of Darkness writers and creatives. There will be a Vampire Rivals panel discussing news, upcoming releases, and organized play. There will be a premiere of a brand new Vampire the Masquerade RPG show, a quiz show hosted by yours truly, and many, many other surprises. For more information, head over to renegadegames.com slash Elysium, E-L-Y-S-I-U-M for details, schedule of events, and registration for tickets. 
I hope to see you there June 11th and 12th for the Elysium Weekend of Darkness. Hey, Marty. Yes. How are those sweet deck holders hanging up? Hanging up. <laughs> Holding up. <laughs> Holding up. Those new cases, those card cases for Miniature Market, I absolutely adore them. And we had just talked about the Vampire Rivals card game, and so now I have me some nice organizers to put my cards in, so we meet, I can put them in my card case, bring them, I can set it up, it can hold the tokens and everything, it's ready to go. And the prices on this are just insane. Both Organizers that hold over 650 double sleeved cards are only $11.99 and the small case is only $6.99. Amazing. And you know what really pissed me off about my vacation, Marty? What's that? Was that when we were there and playing quicks, if I had just thought to bring my miniature market dice tray, I would not have heard dice rattling on a glass table as we were playing quicks. Oh I would have had gosh. that dice tray. And it folds down. Mm -hmm. This is something you should, at $2.99, I should have 10 of these. Just strong, you know how you have things just sitting around the house? Yes. Well, this is one of those things. And like, I'm gonna, I wanna get it and take it to work because I, I play Ashes there now that it, it came out again and I take it into uh, whenever we play and I'll set it up and roll my dice into that little nice dice tray. I mean, you're rolling dice and taking names when you're playing Ashes. That's exactly right. So to find out more about these card cases, plus you want to see all the latest games that are coming out every week, head over to miniaturemarket.com. All right, Marty forgot to mention in the last segment that that was a bumper music that you need to give them some name to if you want to be entered into some contest that we're running or this show. And it's actually my favorite Castlevania song of all time. There you go. So if you know him, then you know which one it is. <laughs> I know him. I've known him for a long time, and I have no clue. None. Zip, zero, zilch. But that's all right. For you, it pays to dig, to search. It's going to pay you a $25 miniature market gift card. So hopefully it didn't screw up a lot in this episode, Marty. We're really going to be out some dollars. Well, here's the thing. They don't even need to know it. If they just go and leave it blank, they can still get one entry into the contest. But if you know the songs, well, it's just higher chances of you being able to win. I'll tell you, Tony, I've been excited about Vampire. I have been waiting to jump into another competitive card game. The FFG competitive games are all gone, man. And I just want to really highly recommend go out to Team Covenant's podcast page and listen to a podcast they did called Is the Magic Gone? Uh, it is an, an hour episode about their look at magic and how Wizards of the Coast seems to be taking away focus from the local game store. They're wanting to make more money going direct to the seller or direct to the uh, consumer by going through Amazon cut out the distributor and everything. That's a higher margin for them. They're doing specially special products. Did you hear about this? They're doing D&D magic cards. They're doing Lord of the Rings magic cards and Warhammer 40K magic cards. Did I hear about it? Yes. Did I look into it? No. Yeah. Well, they're not out yet, but the D&D was just announced as we'll be coming out later this year. But I just think it's really interesting that, again, we're still in this craze where you can find magic cards in Target go try to find a Pokemon card or a bigger one, Flesh and Blood. Now, Team Covenant kind of dug into Flesh and Blood going, 
Flesh and blood, while they'll never be magic, what they're doing is, is they're filling in this hole that's left by magic. They said if magic's not going to be that friendly to the retail store, because if the retail store can't get magic product because instead they're putting it on Amazon to sell, then they're going to find something else. And flesh and blood may be there. And they spent the last 15 minutes of the show talking about fantasy flight games is the same way. So it's like all the competitive LCGs from fantasy flight are gone. There's none anymore. There's the co-op, which are amazing, but co-op really doesn't need events or stores to make them work. Arkham Horror and Marvel Champions are fantastic without it. So they're saying there's a hole there to be filled. Now, they're big into ashes. They want it to be filled with ashes, which it could be, but that's where I think Vampire the Masquerade rivals could fill that hole. If somebody's looking for a competitive LCG-style game, there's not that many out there right now, and there's none from FFG. And... The community organizer that worked at FFG now works at Renegade Games, Matt, and he's doing all the organized play. So this guy has a lot of experience. They've already got events going. They have a huge tournament coming up at Gen Con this year. So they're getting into the organized play right now. Well, I hope the organized play pays off for them. And I hope that people are able to get to the store and do it. It will be very exciting for that. You love your card games. It's what got us hooked into this. So I'm, I'm excited for it. I hope it lives up to all this hype that you just gave us for past 22 minutes. <laughs> well, again, I, I'm ready. We've got five people here that's playing. We have five people with uh, boxes that I know of. Well, six. I know a guy at work that has it. So there's, there's plenty of people here to play. I'm ready to start digging into the deck building and see how it works. Uh, now, I will say for a four-player game, it is a longer game. You're looking at 60 to 90 minutes to play once you know the cards. Two players a lot quicker. Just oh, be yeah. forewarned, the higher the player count, the longer it does take. Now, important news. Yes. We didn't cover this in our intro. Switch news. Ah. How are you doing? In, I haven't played Monster Hunter in about 10 days. Oh, so how no. are you doing? I just got my butt handed to me in a level three quest. Well, I was trying to go out and collect chests. And I ran across this one monster. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Bagoth, Hagoth, Bragoth, Gagoth. Uh-huh. I don't know. I thought, I'll take this thing down. It's a stone. It looks like a Tyrannosaurus Rex made out of stone that threw mud at you. He wore me out. So <laughs> I went and talked to my sons who were heavy into it. I said, all right, what did I screw up? He said, oh, no. They said, for a level three monster, that, that guy is pretty tough. So I thought, okay, I need to get on with Tony. You and I need to go on a hunt. One of the quests is for that monster. It's a level three quest. Maybe you and I can do an, get together and do an online hunt for that guy one time and see if we could take it out. Your ranged attack would really help here, I think. I'm slowly learning. I ha- I don't understand this all these uh, binds, and people are talking about binds with weapons. I think you have to get to a certain level to get a bind. I don't know. Don't understand that. I need to go over to the training area. But once again, I haven't started, so I'm, a, I'm rusty right now. And I've got one more hunt to do in my level two, and then I will move to level three. And then we can make this happen. But unfortunately, I'm going away again. I got so, I got to do something for work and I'll be I'll be gone again so I don't have the internet capability but we will be able to record the show. That internet's good, but playing a video game is not. So once again, got to push it off, man. But we'll be okay. We get we got a game night planned. That's the big thing. Well, good thing I went out and bought the uh, Blizzard arcade pack when it was on sale so I can crank up Lost Vikings and relive old memories. There you go. Steam just sent me a notice and said that Elder Scrolls is on sale and I should go get that. (laughs) 
for my computer. I could have it on a whole bunch of things. I'm still hunting for my PlayStation someday. I am excited. I saw that Mass Effect Legendary is mm-hmm. going to come out for the PlayStation 5. It's coming out on everything, pretty much. Every It won't be out on the Switch. It will not be out. Everything else, I'm sorry. PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. Did you ever play the first ones? I played Mass Effect, the original. Loved it. Yep. So uh, I'm excited for that. And that's reason enough to go and get a PlayStation 5. Yep. No, not really. I did see where PlayStation 5s are going to have limited production into 2022 still. Dude, that's, that is crazy. And I've heard that they're possibly going to go ahead and redesign it. Not to make it more powerful, but they've they've got uh, some cheaper processors and cheaper processes in place to be able to kind of do a re- redesign of it. So they're, they're already working on that. But again... All the rumors also point towards a new um, switch. Today, I heard a big manufacturer of OLEDs has kind of hinted that the next switch will use their OLED screen, which is a big deal because it's a higher refresh rate and better contrast, which will just make it look better, make it pop better. Maybe they'll announce it at E3. But did you happen to see the sales numbers that Nintendo released a couple weeks ago? It is absolutely insane the amount of switches that that thing has sold. It is now heading towards the Wii and surpassing the Wii with 100 million units sold. That's unreal. That's amazing. The top 10 games have all sold over 10 million units. And Animal Crossing that just came out last year has already sold over 32 million copies. Unreal. So I took my switch with me to the beach and I was looking at my satisfy case where I have all my games stuck in it. Mm-hmm. I've never owned this many games <laughs> and that I haven't played aside from board games. I'm like, this is ridiculous. It's the steam sale, man. They'll have a big sale on eShop and then all these wish list games come up. I went, Oh, it's only $5. Well, I'll grab it and never play it. <laughs> It's so bad. Well, every week I'm watching Switch em Ups and other content creators beat that them are up. beat them up uh, saying these are the best games that are on sale now for the Switch this week. And I'm just like, I cannot. Uh, this is not good because they will $5 me to death. Yep. But excited to get back to game night. Looking forward to it. I hope we have a good time. We got to sit down and figure out what we're playing. Oh, I know what we're playing, dude. We said we're doing, oh. we're playing Egyptians, Empires That's of right. North. So we'll be talking that about for sure in the next episode. And Tony, I have a two player, 30 minute war game. I cannot wait to show you Thursday. So don't plan any meetings. Get there early so you can play because it reminds me of Shores of Tripoli. It's that two player asymmetric game. It's, it's basically the Persians versus Greece. It's 300. Yeah, it's 300. You showed me. I got the rules printed out for that. Looking forward to that. I've watched a few videos on it. So that'll keep the teach time very limited and we can jump right into it. Oh, yeah. Well, I've already played it. I played it with Bert. We both loved it. Really good. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm looking. Don't, don't hype it up too much. It's all right. You just push cubes around. Somebody wins in the end. Sounds like every game we play. There you go. Cubes. <laughs> but it doesn't beat rolling dice and taking names. Don't forget to enter in our contest. Just check our show notes to see a link there. Come join our Discord channel. RPGs are going to be running. Maybe some code names will be going on. We got a lot of events that we hope to crank up this summer. A link is on our webpage and in this podcast notes. And again, you can follow us at Dyson Names on Instagram and Twitter. So Tony, the only bad thing about this is learning how to pronounce all these names 
and clans and vampire. I could easily name the units and stuff in Netrunner, but this is a little bit more of a tongue twister. And I still can't say the cloister or whatever it was. The coiter. And I kept wanting <laughs> Oh my gosh. I, I kept wanting to say Cotier. It's Coterie. 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 C-O-T-E-R-I-E. I kept want I kept wanting to make it really fancy. Cotier. What is it? Coiter? Oh my gosh. Okay. I think we'll end with that. Nubby soap. <laughs>